0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Hope Church. And we're super stoked that you're here today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tim, and I'm part of the team here. And I get the great privilege today to open up the Bible. So if you're new to church, if you're just sort of checking this thing out, this is the section of our gathering where we will open up the Bible and we'll look at what God has to say for just a few minutes. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, Pastor Savannah, she, um, she prayed there right at the end, God, would you just help us to, to unhurry? ourselves, and, um, and I think this is something that, that God has for us here when we come into this place. So for many of us, this might be the only hour of our week where we're just simply sitting and just like our phones are down uh, for the most part, and if you're using your phone, by the way, I'm just assuming like you're tweeting out the pearls of wisdom that are dropping out of my mouth right now, you know what I'm saying, that's what I'm assuming, And so um, but this is the time where where we we come in and we sort of put everything else aside for an hour and we focus in on what's most important in this life. And so uh, and so I hope that your heart is sort of prepared. And that's why we sing before we come into this time, because we want to just sort of prepare our hearts. We want to lean into what God has for us. And there's been so much that has gone into getting you to this point right now that why not just lean in and and just full send like like get get everything out of it that that God has for you right all right okay so um how many of you so I've I've heard of people who have these things in their homes called arguments do you know people like this do you know people, have you heard of people like this? Have you seen the documentaries? There's like people who have these disagreements in their household and they like fight with each other. Sometimes they like yell with each other, they throw stuff. But um, they have these things called arguments. I, we, we, Nicole and I, we can't relate. Now in the next service where Nicole is here, I'll have a little different story. So if you wanna stay for that, you might hear a different story. But um, so we don't have arguments in our house. Um, we have discussions. We have conversations, and um, and no, no, we we have we have our share of arguments. But one of the arguments that Nicole and I have had for so we've been married for twenty five years. We were together like three years, roughly before that. So for almost thirty years, Nicole and I have been having this argument, and I'm just gonna sort. I'm I'm gonna let you guys in on it. Uh, I want to tell you about it. Just a little bit of a confession time here this morning. Um, And if you have any advice for me, like afterwards, I'd love to to hear. Uh, But it it centers, here's what the argument is about. It centers on this, look at this picture on the screen right here. Not this picture right here, this picture right here, this picture right here. Anybody ever, if you even know what this is, I don't know, does anybody know what this is? So, on the left is this thing called New York-style pizza, right? Um, I affectionately describe it as cardboard with cheese and a little bit of sauce on it, right? This is, this is Nicole's favorite, by the way. She, she loves this. Yum. Let's, let's, see, let's see who's who right now. How many of you, of these two options right here, you prefer the pizza on the left, the New York style thin crust pizza? Do you roll it? Do you roll it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you, okay. So I can at least respect you if you roll the, the slice in half and eat it like a, you know a, a civilized human being. So I grew up in Chicago. And Chicago deep dish is how I experienced pizza growing up. You know, yeah, amen, amen. Like, we want the blessing of God here right now in this moment. So let's talk about the Chicago-style pizza. Uh, You know, obviously, you've got this deep dish, thick crust, right? Uh, Now, the, 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 the crust, obviously, is not that thick all the way through it. Inside, you know, the cheese goes on the bottom. And when it's, a, when it's a legit, like Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza, the, if you get sausage on it, it's an entire layer of sausage. Like it's not like pieces of sausage that cover the thing, it's an entire one piece of sausage that covers the whole thing. And then the sauce goes on top, and Nicole will affectionately describe this as casserole. This is not pizza, this is casserole. And, you know, you guys, I try to do what the Bible says, you know. I try to bring up my kids in the way of the Lord, is what the Bible says. And I try to point my family in the right direction. I'm just, I'm just trying to do the right thing. And help them understand God's blessing on this right side. Now, now don't hold it against me that the guy telling you that this is the better option, that I had a massive heart attack when I was 45 years old. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. I'm far enough away now that I can joke about that. Um, but, no, now if we get this, which there are some places in San Jose that make this and they do it well, I'll have, like, just a little sliver. I get my little sliver now, just a little taste. And But we have this discussion in our home, and I'm just trying to point my family in the right direction. And um, you guys... I'm alone in that and I, I feel like, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm, I'm being persecuted, you know? I'm, I'm being persecuted and, and I don't know, have you, ever, have you ever done what you felt was right and then you got persecuted? Have you ever done that? Have you ever, you know, maybe maybe at work, maybe at work you, you had a situation where somebody was asking you to do something that wasn't quite ethical, wasn't quite what it should be, and you decided, no, I'm not going to do that, and you were persecuted, maybe you were made fun of, maybe you were shunned, maybe you were fired from your job, right? I've, I've heard people that have been in that place. Um, have you ever tried to just do something that is right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push in a little bit here, and some of you are going to get real uncomfortable right now, because know how peop- I, I know how people are but you're gonna get real uncomfortable right now. Um, I got made fun of the other day from somebody who I won't tell you their name, um, but we, uh, we just purchased something and you pay tax on what you, yeah, on this type of item that you purchase and, um, and they wanted to know on the bill of sale did I wanna mark the price as like half or one third of what the actual cash transaction was so that I could pay less on the taxes. And, man, I told you this might get uncomfortable for some. Uh, I just didn't know they'd get vocal about it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, and, and I said, no, 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 put, put the full price on that bill of sale. I'm not playing around with, I'm not selling my integrity for that dollar amount to say I really bought it for this amount so I could pay less taxes on that thing, right? And, and, and I had one person in particular that sort of made fun of me kind of kind of persecuted me in that moment. Um, we have lots and lots of places where we experience that in our lives. Today, as we take our next step in our series, Found in the Way, we're looking at the way of Jesus. And we're taking this entire year to look at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Now, not all at once, So we've just started it. Today is the third Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll cover uh, the last part of this opening section. Then we're going to move on to something else. And we'll come back to this this sermon of Jesus all year long. Uh, This is the most famous sermon of Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus is teaching the core things you need to know to follow him. In fact, we call it the way. The way. It's the way of Jesus. And we want to be found in that way. We want to be found in the way of Jesus, not just in our own lives and personally, but we want the world around us to look at us and say there's something different there. There's something else going on there. What is happening there? Why, why would you put the full amount of the sale of this thing on a bill of sale? Like, like, like why would you do that? You could save hundreds of dollars in taxes and literally nobody but you and I would know what really took place here. Why, why would you do that? Well, I'm a follower of the way. I, I follow one called Jesus the Christ. And here's what he has taught me. And this message that he taught in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, this is a message that he taught over and over and over and over again. All throughout his ministry, he taught these things. And so it would make sense, wouldn't it? that if we are followers of Jesus, as the church of Jesus, that we would understand his way. And so we're taking this whole year to study this. And uh, we're in our third, we're in our third uh, week of it. And today we're going to talk about persecution. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about persecution and how it fits into sort of the, the rhythm of following him. And so if you haven't been with us, I want to bring you up to speed, and you're going to see these verses up on the screen. Um, We started verse 1, Matthew chapter 5, and this was two Sundays ago, and here's what we read. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, and he started to give them a series of blessed are you statements. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Now, if you weren't with us, that just simply means uh, you're blessed when you, when you know that you have a poverty of spirit without God. When you know that you need God. Amen. right? The good thing is, in each one of us, for most of us, almost all of us, we don't have to be convinced of that. Like, you know the areas in your life where you're jacked up. Right? Like, I don't have to convince you of that. Everybody has something broken in their lives, and we need something outside of ourselves to fix it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, this is the way into the kingdom of heaven. If you never come to the place of admitting your need for God you'll never enter into his kingdom. Everything that comes after this depends on this one thing right here. And so there are people in this life, usually people who sort of have it all together as far as the world is concerned, right? They're doing well. They don't, they don't feel like they need much of anything. They, they kind of have it all. And those people are sometimes tough to get to the place where where they recognize their need for God. It usually takes a crisis. And then it usually takes someone who is a follower of the way to be in their lives during the time of crisis, right? To help them understand what the need is, what's really happening here. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now remember, we talked about this. Uh, There is like a surface meaning, To these. Um, And then there's a deeper meaning. The surface meaning is, yes, when you mourn, there is comfort for you. God is close to the brokenhearted, the Bible teaches, right? And that's true. That's a true statement. But that's not the deeper thing Jesus is actually teaching here. The deeper thing Jesus is teaching is that when you begin to see your poverty of spirit, and you admit your need for God, You enter into the kingdom. You you enter into relationship with God. And as you grow in your relationship with God, you begin to see things as God sees them. And you begin to mourn in your heart those areas in your life that you know don't measure up just quite yet. You you, You recognize it, and you're like, ay, 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 yeah, okay, so... I can see I probably need to use a few. Maybe I need to use a few less f bombs in my language, right? Like, like that, that's probably a good thing. I need to. You start to see areas in your life. Like, I over here. Yeah, you know what? I would, I, I, I would normally, I think, sign the bill of sale for a lesser amount so that I could save some money on taxes. I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, that's something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm gonna, I'm, and it's not just about changing your activity. It's becoming more like Jesus. And, in fact, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But you begin to mourn not just the areas in your own life where you know you don't measure up, but you begin to mourn people and places and things around you that you see that are broken. Right. Like like whereas before you might have just like walked right past somebody who was sleeping outside last night and not given a single thought to it Uh, before you might not have ever even realized that there are people in our community who won't have food to eat today. Um, You become aware that in Santa Cruz County, there is human trafficking happening every single day. Right. You begin to mourn people that you see around you, maybe even people that you know, loved ones, that you, because they don't have the hope of Jesus that you have. And, you're, and your heart mourns for that, right? Because you want that for them. So there's a mourning that takes place. And then the next one, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So as we begin to enter into relationship with God, see things as he sees them, we then begin to realize that we have some strength in us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you're a follower of the way. And you begin to understand that I've got strength in me. And meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. In fact, in the original language, that word meek is reigning in a stallion. And so you begin to understand that I've got the power of God in me. And the power of God begins to shape your life, and you've got this amazing supernatural strength in your spirit, but it's under control because you've got the Holy Spirit who is guiding you and growing you, all of this, right? So that was just week number one. Our big idea truth that week, you'll see this up on the screen, is that the way of Jesus seems upside down, but it's actually turning the world right side up. So in the original creation, things were right side up. There's a day when Jesus will come back again and things will be turned right side up again. But we live in this middle period where everything is turned upside down because humanity chose its own way. It rebelled against God. And so now everything that was right is now wrong. And everything that's wrong is now being promoted as right. And the way that we see that is in you look at just the basic necessities of life. Before the, uh, humanity chose its own way, the fall, we call it, nobody needed food. You know, they, I should say nobody lacked food. They didn't need it because they had it. Everybody had as much food as they needed to eat. God provided for that. In this middle upside-down period we live in, people will die today from having no food, they'll die. Their lives will end because they have enough. That's not the way God designed it, right? So the upside-down way of of Jesus oftentimes seems upside-down, but it's actually turning the world right-side up. So when I recognize my need for God, I'm being turned right-side up, right? When I recognize that it's not my power that gets things done, it's God's power in me, I'm being turned right side up, right? When when I begin to see the brokenness of the world around me and I grieve because the hope of God is there and I want people to grab a hold of it and experience it and have freedom and life for themselves, that's being turned right side up, right? So that was our big idea of truth. Now, one of the things that we talked about was that Jesus is redefining blessing, and this is important because we're looking at all of these blessed are you statements, right? And so what does blessing mean for us in this, in this passage? It doesn't mean material blessing, right? It, it, it's not the hashtag blessed that we post on Instagram when we're standing in front of our new car. Or we're on the shoreline in Oahu. Or we just got the new surfboard. Or... We're celebrating a beautiful relationship we're in or whatever. All the things, right? All the things that we, we say hashtag blessed when good things are happening to us. That's not how Jesus is defining blessed. In fact, in his turning things right side up, this word blessed, the original language means serene, right? Which, which has attached to it A a, a sense of there's chaos happening around me, but I'm serene. I'm calm in the middle of the chaos. It means untouched, which means things are coming my way. Opposition, evil, bad things are coming my way, but I'm untouched. It means that I'm independent of the chances and the changes of this life. So do you you sort of get the vibe of, of, of those words? Like there's chaos around us and blessing comes when I'm serene, when I'm untouched, when I'm independent of the chances and the changes of this life. That's blessing, right? So these truths of God that we're exploring here today, the way, these are anchors for us in the storm. They're anchors for us. This is God's blessing in your life. He gives you anchors in the midst of the chaos of this life. All right, you guys, I haven't even gotten to our verses today. I'm just recapping the last. All right, here we go, here we go. Last Sunday, Chris taught this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, there's a progression here, you guys. Follow the progression. I start with the poverty of spirit, my need. Right, I begin to see things as God sees it, and so I begin to mourn for the brokenness around me. I begin to experience the incredible strength of the Holy Spirit in me, under control. Right, this meekness. Then, then what happens is I begin to hunger and thirst for the rightness of God, the good things of God, and not just in my own life. So it starts personal inside of me as an individual. My poverty of spirit. And it's beginning to work itself out. And this is, you're going to see this in just a moment. This is what God is doing through this teaching. Is he's working out his kingdom into the world. You remember when Jesus taught us, here's how you pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed or holy or set apart or special or untouched is your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in Soquel as it is in heaven. Do you know how that happens? Right? We're we're, we're doing it right here. It starts with your poverty of spirit and it begins to build and build and build. And last Sunday, Chris taught this. You begin to hunger and thirst for the rightness of God. I want the rightness of God in my heart. I don't want to be a liar, I don't want to be a cheater. Right? I, I don't I don't want to, to to do things that grieve the heart of God, but it's more than just doing things like doing the right things and not doing the wrong you know the wrong things. It's I want to be in the presence of God. I want the full favor of God. I want the rest that comes from following Jesus. I, I don't know, I, I don't know if, if this resonates with you at all. But our world is so fast-paced. Am I right? So, so uh, my daughter, uh, Summer, and I last week we 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 went out. She's a huge fan of like Broadway, you know, type uh, musicals, and she's always entering um, these lotteries for um, for um, discounted tickets for these major shows in San Francisco, right? And so we've seen Hamilton like three times. We've, you know, we've seen like all these ones. Well, last week we went and we saw um, Dear Evan Hansen. Anybody anybody um, seen that? Maybe you watched the movie. Maybe you've seen other. Um, it was, so we get there and we're wait. We sit down and we're waiting. And if you don't know, the whole storyline is, um, is, is about a teenager who commits suicide. And, and in that, uh, it's, it's, you know, placed in modern day, right? And so, so we go and we sit down and we're waiting. We're waiting for the thing to begin. And up on the stage, there's about 15 to 20 different size screens. Some go the, like, from, like, the stage to the, to the rafters. Some are just small. And on each one is a social media feed, and all the noises that come when you get notifications on your phone. And so we're sitting there, and after about two minutes, I'm getting like, I'm getting uncomfortable, you know? And I lean over to Summer, and I'm like, I'm, I, I really, I kind of wish that they, that like, like this wouldn't like be like so like in your face like this. And, and we're kind of talking about that. And then, and then we, it dawns on us that they're, they're literally and figuratively setting the stage to tell this story of a generation of kids that don't know anything but a screen in front of their face 24-7. Right? And the noises that come from the notifications and all these things. And it's part of what drove this kid to the place where he was. We live in this place where we're so hurried. We're so hurried. And the way of Jesus is not. He, G, you'll never find Jesus hurried. He's never in a rush, ever. He's intentional, right? And he worked hard, like from sun up to sun down. There were lots of times where there were recorded conversations of Jesus even into the wee hours of the morning. And often Jesus got up in the early, early hours before dawn and prayed. He was, he was very engaged in the work of, of God, but he was not hurried. And in our lives, you guys, this is what we talked about. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled When we seek after the things of God, when when we begin to hunger and thirst for God, we begin to put away the things of this life that hurry our souls. I never commune with God in a good, healthy way that's meaningful to my soul unless I set my phone down, turn it off, silence it, put it in the other room as well as my laptop. I have to. I have to because otherwise I'll end up picking them up, right? This is a part of what we talked about last Sunday. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, notice this. Notice this transition. It starts with the poverty of spirit, and it's working its way out. Blessed are the merciful. This is the first one where it really begins to interact with other people now. As these things begin to take root in your life, each one of these things... You begin to act toward other people differently. Before, you were just noticing other people. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. I begin to see other people around me broken, and my heart mourns. Now, this is the first instance in this sermon of Jesus where he begins to turn it outwards. When all of these things begin to be true in your life, you will begin to see and treat people differently. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You begin to show mercy to people when they don't deserve it. Right? And it all goes back to the very beginning, that poverty of spirit. God showed me mercy when I didn't deserve it. And so how can I do anything other than the same for others? Right? Nobody in this life will do anything to me that is worse than what I was doing toward God by rejecting him at a soul level. You can do anything you want to me, and it's not, it's, it is not worse than me rejecting God in my life. Right? And so I'm able now to show mercy. So here was that big idea of truth. The way of Jesus is becoming like him versus only acting like him. So here we go. We're, we're not... We're not just checking off boxes, religious boxes of stuff to do and stuff not to do. We're beginning to live out the way of Jesus. Oh, man, this is so awesome. Okay, you guys, today we're going to explore this next section of this sermon. We're going to take the next few verses and look at these. And we're going to look at this, this truth of God as we walk through this that our blessing in the kingdom the good things that God gives to us all uh, you know think of all of the things that are benefits for you for following Jesus we've already talked about some of them mercy love peace joy um how about just the word blessed itself that i have an anchor in the storm we're, we're living today we're breathing your body is healthy enough for you to be here, right? Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening to our podcast, but God has blessed you with, with health in this moment, right? Um, you, you got up today and, and decided what food you were gonna eat, most of us, for breakfast. You know, um, we just have so much to, to thank God for, so much that God has given to us, right? And so, what we're going to look at here today, though, is that God's blessing in the kingdom, the way, is not primarily just for you, but it's also for the blessing of others. This is always the way of the kingdom. Always. Always. I'm going to be one of those guys right now. Everybody say it with me. Always. Always. This is always the way of the kingdom. It's never, it's never been designed for you to consume it and then just sit and be content that you got yours. Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you take food into your body and it doesn't come out? <laughs> food is good for your body, right? Right? But it's got to come out. That's the way God designed it. Like the, is, the food's got to come out or you're going to have problems, right? You only experience half of the kingdom of God, the way of Jesus, when all you do is take in, take in, take in, take in. God always designs it to go back out. He's got people around you. I Listen. There are very few things I can say with 100% certainty. And this is one of them. God has people around you. Everybody. Whether, whether, you know, you're knocking on the door of 100 or you're here, you know, as, you know, a little one in school. God has people around you who he needs He wants and he needs for the kingdom of God, the way of Jesus, to overflow into their lives because of you. You are the one. God has asked you to do it. Since the beginning of time, as he orchestrated everything and all the things that had to happen to get you to this point in your life, God specifically designed it so that the kingdom would flow through you to people around you, specific people around you. It's always been that way. Otherwise, what would Jesus have done with his 12, his inner circle, his disciples? You know what he would have done? He would have taught them some stuff, and then he would have said, here's what I need you to do. I want you to go and up on this mountain over here, build a monastery, and I want you just to read the Bible and pray every day. Just go, just go do that. Jesus didn't do that, right? He said, I want you to take these things and I want you to go. Go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to tell people of these things. Teach them these things. Baptize them in my name. Help them experience the way, the truth, and the life. Help them experience life to the full, the abundant life. God's only plan for the expansion of the kingdom is you and me. And we do it when we live these things out. All right, so here we go. You guys, I haven't even gotten into what I'm talking about today. Um, don't, 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 tell, don't, don't, don't tell any of the other pastors. Um, so here's our big idea today. Here's our third big idea of this series, and it's this. The way of Jesus leads us to step in and stand up. All right, so here we go let's look at stepping in. This next verse, Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Now this is a big statement, you guys. This, this is the statement that says, you're considered a child of God if you are doing this. Like okay, we should pay attention to that. That's a big, big deal. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now It's important to understand what this word peacemakers means. It doesn't say, Blessed are the peaceful, for they will be called children of God. When I'm peaceful, which is a good thing, that's an internal thing. I have peace within me, and I can walk around all day long, right? And there are lots of religions. That their, their entire religion is based on you achieving some sort of, you know, internal peace, right? And, you go, and everything about what they do, the meditation, the, all the things, it's all about you achieving internal peace. Being peaceful is good, but it's incomplete when it comes to the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is that you would be a peacemaker, which means that you will go into the broken situations. Remember those places that you now see and your heart mourns because of those? You'll go into the broken situations with the mercy God has just given you, remember? And you will seek the wholeness of those situations. This is how you make peace in this world. You step in to the broken places, and you simply bring the love of God that's been rooted in you now. And as you bring the wholeness of God into any broken situation, guess what? You see the kingdom of God, and you, re- you most reflect God, your Father, when you make peace in places, when you bring the wholeness, the shalom of God into something. So I want my kids to to emulate the best of me as their dad, right? Now, all all the places where I'm jacked up as a dad, I don't want them to emulate those. But all of the good things in my life, I hope, will be reflected in their lives. If you're a child of God, you will reflect the heart of God in this world. And the heart of God is to be a peacemaker. And I hardly even have to like dig in a little bit on that, but I will. Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It's the ultimate act of making peace. The creator moved into the mess of the created and brought salvation for those who will receive his love. It's the ultimate act of being a peacemaker. And Jesus said, I want you to be a peacemaker. How do you do you do that? How do you make peace? Go into any place that you see around you that is broken and simply reflect the love of God there. That's how you become a peacemaker. So I have a child who is struggling. I step in. And I engage the messiness of that. And because I'm a follower of Jesus and the love of God is inside me and the power of the Holy Spirit's inside me, I bring all of that with me when I step in. Um, in the back here, we've been saying this for the whole month of February. We have a jug, a five-gallon jug that people are putting change and dollar bills even in. And we're raising funds this month for the Aruka project. They're fighting human trafficking in Santa Cruz County and around the world. Every time you drop something in there, you're being a peacemaker. You're actively engaging the work of God in a broken place. When you give financially, you're being a peacemaker. When you partner financially with Hope Church, you're being a peacemaker. I'm sin- so as in this particular service... I'm just going to put her on the spot. So four rows back, we've got a peacemaker here at Hope Church, Nicole Blossom, who helps lead our Hope Feeds ministry every Saturday. Yeah, every Saturday, they're in this upper parking lot at 9:30. Volunteers show up and they get set up, and 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 Eric uh, Brown here, right here, uh, helps helps lead as well. Just sitting right across from this is like the peacemaker side of it. Um so a broken place in our community is people don't have enough food to eat. They step into that brokenness with the love of God and they're being peacemakers. It could be a conflict at work or at school or with your friends that you bring some reason to. Right? People are being unreasonable and you step in with some reason. Right? Um it could be somebody who's one of your friends who is running as hard as and fast as they can off the cliff and you step in front of them between the cliff and them and you say, "Bro, if I step out of the way right now, you're going to run off this cliff and you will die. You have too much to offer this world. I love you too much." And emotionally, maybe physically, spiritually, you wrap your arms around them to keep them from running off the cliff behind you. That's a peacemaker. Anytime that you engage the brokenness in this world with your presence, which brings the love of Christ with it, you're being a peacemaker. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You are no more like a child of God, like God, than when you are being a peacemaker in this world. Okay, let's keep going. The next, uh, the final verse says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So guys, this is the culmination now of the process we began two Sundays ago. We started, remember, with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You enter the kingdom of heaven by acknowledging your poverty of spirit. You grow, you become, you, you become more like Christ, you become rooted. And the fullness of the kingdom comes into play when you're persecuted because you're now living out the way of Jesus in this world. And you will be persecuted. More than just a New York, Chicago-style pizza persecution, you will be persecuted because we have an enemy who does not want you to be living the way of Jesus in this world. And you will be persecuted. In fact, he goes on to say this, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In fact, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The way of Jesus leads us to step in right and to stand up. This is what God has for us today.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways that you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope. We'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info@discoverhope.church. At Lastly, We give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.